day, another Joe Biden, Camilla Harris gaffe. You know, sometimes don't you just wonder, how in the hell are these people in power? Is this the best that America has? Oh, man, let's hear from Camilla Harris. She's explaining stuff to us. Let's hear from Camilla right now. Electricity from wind and solar farms in the Arizona desert delivered to people millions of miles away, potentially, well, certainly thousands of miles away. <laughs> Bit of a typo Just an there. Idiot. <laughs> but delivered to millions of people. Just an idiot. I mean, we got Ron Burgundy, we got the female Ron Burgundy. <laughs> These people are such idiots that now you can't even criticize them. You just say, well, that's the idiot vice president. And remember, She's like one health death away from being the president. She, that's who she is. She is honest to God. One heartbeat away, one bad day away from being the president, this idiot. At least she could laugh at herself, but we don't even get mad anymore. Here's Joe Biden. Listen to this clown. Name me a single objective we've ever set out to accomplish that we've failed on. Name me one in all of our history. Not one. In all of our history, why is he screaming at us? Why is he going uh, Adolf Hitler and screaming at us? Name you one? Okay. Well, I got Simon Adubato on today. I'll name you a few if you want. I mean, here, you ready? Hold on. Let me get to it. Name you one. How about inflation? How about you failed to keep inflation down? That's one. Is that not one? I don't know. That, that seems to be one. How about securing the border? Have you secured the border? You didn't do that. Uniting the country? You haven't do that. Restore trust in the rule of law? You haven't done that. Avoid inflation? Of course not. Reduce crime in cities? Of course not. Improve schools? Of course not. Avoid a new foreign war? Of course not. I mean, anything else you want to add? You balance the budget? You cut spending? You reduce government? Of course not. You can yell and scream at us all you want, you clown. But the fact of the matter is, it goes the other way. Name me one thing that I have accomplished. Yesterday, the Inflation Reduction Act was touted as a climate change bill. This is how jacked up they are. Have you brought honor and dignity to the White House as you and I guess she's a doctor, Jill Biden, said you were going to do? Have you? No. Your son is under all kind of different and you are the big guy. When you are done with this ridiculous presidency, when it is over, when we look back, we're going to refer to you simply Joe Biden as the big guy and the worst president of our lifetime. You can get mad. You can yell. You can scream. You can. And you said you were curing cancer. You said you were curing cancer, you dolt. You haven't cured nothing. That's what you said. You said you were there when a bridge collapsed yesterday. Another day, another lie. You said you reduced the deficit by $1.7 trillion. Another day, another lie. How'd you do in the Afghanistan evacuation? How'd that go? That go good? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. How's the mortgage rates? Any good? And yet people still defend this. How are we doing with fentanyl? How are we doing with homeless? How's our supply chain going? Walk into a store, buy a bottle of Mayomi. It's now 28 bucks. First world problems. I mean, the point is, have you done anything right? 
anything. And he said this on the second anniversary of the botched Afghanistan evacuation that, oh, by the way, the Taliban yesterday was celebrating in the streets. It just pisses you off that a guy can sit there and lie and lie and a media can be so complicit that they don't call him out on a lie. I mean, a dude just lies. That's all he does. He wakes up in the morning, figures out what lie can I tell? How can I tell it? Look at him yelling at everybody. I mean, that is Stalin. That's Hitler. That's Mussolini. That's what this guy thinks he is. He don't even know what happened in Maui. He's on a beach somewhere. No, it's ridiculous. And you all stand for it. And I can't stand it. I just can't. I've never felt this way about a president, but his lies have gotten out of hand. His ridiculous claims have become so verbose, so idiotic, so out of hand as well, that the media just laughs at him. And he's screaming at us. This clown is screaming at us. This clown who can't walk across the stage, can't walk upstairs, can't tell the truth one day, raises a son who's a freaking career criminal, dope addict, uh, dope fiend, crackhead, whoremongering. And that's what we get yelling at us. Screw you. Speaking of yelling, training camps are getting a little heated. I'm getting heated. Hell yeah, we're all getting heated. We got a little bit of a Ravens fight video. Let's see a little bit. This jackass here, look at him. <laughs> I'm going to lie. I was there when a bridge fell. Oh, you weren't even in the state, you fool. Man, oh man, it's amazing. We got a little fight going on here. Here we go. Oh, there's a swing. Oh, there's a swing here. And then watch uh, Ross Tucker puts his helmet on because he knows they're getting ready to throw it down a little bit. A little training camp throwing of the hands. between. I think we're going to call it the Redskins after the discussion yesterday with Bill Diekman. Bill Diekman's the only guy that knows the white media is such trash such in-pocket, afraid of their own shadow garbage that Bill Diekman gave an education yesterday that was second to none on what's going on with and about the Redskins getting their name back as a source of honor. But we had a fight yesterday. Cam Akers running back, Max Crosby, big dude. Max Crosby's a stud. When you watch Max Crosby play for the Las Vegas Raiders, you go, wow, that dude's a stud. But let's look at the, I've never seen this. Let's look at the unbelievable tatted up Max Crosby discussing the fight he had with Cam Akers. Let's take a look. I'm just doing what I do. Uh, He didn't like that, so he got what he got. That's what it is. Max said. Why do white dudes always get what he got? Why, Why don't white dudes look at the camera and speak? Cam Akers, someone asked him what it was I got. Anyone with eyes saw what happened. I just do what I do. He just, he just got what he got. Well, well, just look at the camera and speak, fool. Honest to God. But let's go back to the artwork. Uh, let's go back uh, to the video, Dylan and uh, Ryan, and let's check out the artwork. I mean, my man, it's like a Billy Joel song back from the 70s. He, we didn't start the fire. It's a historical map, the artwork on uh, Max Crosby. Can we play the video again and show this mumbling, stumbling just, just Eastern Michigan grad? Look at the artwork. Say, Legendary. Got got. Jordan. Got Ali. I like my athletes that can speak. Look at that. Look at that artwork. I'm sure that's his kid. Look at all that. Got his Eastern Michigan proudly 
Proudly displayed. Look at him. Look at him. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Have a great day. You know. All right. (laughs) The birthday wishes, if you see me go to my phone, they are flowing in. And look, Cam Akers not having it. Hey, I told you this was coming. Uh, And it should come. Bobby Huggins is entering rehab to resolve his drunk driving arrest. Bobby Huggins, who, well, cheated his way to a Hall of Fame career, strippered his way in his early years as the coach at Cincinnati, and now Huggins is entering a program to resolve his drunk driving arrest. He's due in court, and it is always good to say, hey, look at me. I went and got dry, and then the court goes a little lenient on you. Uh, If I know anything about West Virginia or Cincinnati when he was there, they'll go lenient on him. Dude needs a stretch behind bars. Does. Dude's an embarrassment. He's been an embarrassment for a long time. He needs a little stretch. Give him a stretch. Just a little stretch behind bars. Clean himself up. Wipe his backside. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I mean, let's go. Let's quit screwing around. Get in shape. Quit looking like a pig. We're driving drunk, find out what state you're in, and away we go. All right, any list of the worst trades ever has to include the Colts and the Bears. It just does. Now, Marcus Spears, whoever that is, says that the trade for the 49ers, Trey Lance moving up, is among the worst trades ever. Look, they got a terrible situation on their hands with this Trey Lance. This may go down as one of the worst trades in the draft in the history of the NFL. The fortunate part is Kyle Shanahan has done such a phenomenal job of getting this team ready to play and being so creative offensively that it hasn't shown in the win-loss column. But you lose a lot by going up to get Trey Lance. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But, you know, everybody always says on draft day, if you like a quarterback, take him. They always say that. Think about it. They always say, hey, look, doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. If you like a quarterback, you got to take him. Well, guess what? They like the quarterback. They like Trey Lance. They moved up, and they took him. And that's what everybody says. That's all I ever hear. You got to do it. You like a quarterback, you take him. Well, some of the worst trades in NFL history have involved the draft. Some of the NFL worst trades in NFL history have involved quarterbacks. I'll give you one. When Carson Wentz came over to, this was so funny, 2021, Carson Wentz became the new shining star of the Indianapolis coach. Carson Wentz read the same Bible verses as Mensa, worst coach in the NFL, Frank Reich. Carson Wentz with Frank Reich as his non-offensive coordinator, although the Indy media tried to act like he did, uh, Carson Wentz was going to be our savior. The Colts traded a third rounder, a first rounder for Wentz. Wentz went 9-8, and eight, which is better than what they did without him. They didn't make the playoffs. Jimmy Ursay and his daughters got mad. The coaching staff didn't like him, and he was traded in the offseason. And guess what? Cut by the Redskins the next year. Now, the deal was simple. Carson Wentz was supposed to be the savior. Carson Wentz stunk. The only people that didn't know Carson Wentz stunk, of course, 
were the, quote, greatest general manager in the NFL, according to morons in the NFL, Chris Ballard, and, of course, Mensa, the Mensa man, Frank Wright. Now, Frank Wright gets to blow up the Carolina Panthers. All right, Mitchell Trubisky, probably the worst. Mitchell Trubisky was a nondescript, inexperienced quarterback in North Carolina who did what a lot of guys do. He impressed during interviews. Mitchell Trubisky could run. He was strong. He was a great kid. When he interviewed, he was smart. He had all the attributes. So what did the Bears do? The Bears said, look, we're going to move up one spot in 2008. One spot. They dealt a first, a third, a fourth-round pick, as well as a third round the next year to move up one spot in the 17 draft for the rights to draft Trubisky. That's bad enough. I mean, look, a first round, a third round, a fourth round in 2017, then a conditional third round in 2018 to move up one spot to get Trubisky. That's bad. But what made it worse was that Patrick Mahomes was taken after him. Now, you can argue that you want nothing to do with Deshaun Watson, but I'm not sure anybody knew of his proclivity for the rub and tug just yet. So you could argue at the time, uh, well, Michael, without Michael, Michael Jordan was the comparison to Deshaun Watson from Dabo Sweeney. You don't want to come close to the quarterback. You don't want to take cheap shots. There you go. They were taking cheap shots. But that's all right. Here's the deal. The worst trades in the NFL involve the draft, and they involve a quarterback. So you certainly could put Trey Lance up there. What gets hidden in Trey Lance world is this. What gets hidden in the world of Trey Lance is that the 49ers are really good. But what gets magnified in Trey Lance is that Brock Purdy was like the last player picked in the draft and he beat him out despite all those draft choices. Speaking of Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson faced cheap shots. You don't want to come close to the quarterback. You don't want to take cheap shots, things like that where there might have been a couple of questionable plays both ways today. That's their guard, Betonio, on cheap shots during a joint practice with the Eagles. Well, the truth of the matter is the Browns have been whining about the Eagles taking cheap shots all camp. Hey, look, taking cheap shots in camp is the American way. Taking cheap shots in camp is what is done in football. If you're not fighting in football, then I don't know what to tell you. Because everybody should be throwing the hands in football. It's just what should happen. It's hot. It's miserable. It is awful. You're tired. And, frankly, you're angry. Because, well, you're playing football. See, if I played football, I would do something. I don't know what it is. But I would do something to piss me off every day I went out there. Like, I told one of my former players, Lenny Mattel, I go, Lenny, I swear to God, you're so good when you're pissed off. I might just hit you with a baseball bat before every game. Just hit you in the ass or hit you in the back. Just something to piss you off. Because when you get pissed off, you're pretty good. Well, in football, I think you got to be pissed off to simply play. It's hand-to-hand combat. So cheap shots are going to happen. Now, I don't recommend them, but I ain't mad at them. It's football. Try going back to 1972 in Rensselaer in the cornfields where they buried mob guys from Chicago. That's where the Chicago Bears practice at St. Joe College. There was no air conditioning. It's only 172 with zero humidity. Guys were throwing hands. It's what I grew up watching. Don't at me. 
Hey, uh, I guess we got to be like get up and we got to talk about the Yankees, but the Yankees have become fascinating. Aaron Boone and Aaron Judge, the fighting Aarons of the Yankees, fell below 500 for the first time forever. I don't know. And Aaron Boone and Aaron Judge aren't happy. This is Aaron Judge. We're not showing up. That's what it comes down to. We're not showing up when we need to, especially down the stretch right now. We've got every opportunity to keep ourselves in the race, but we are not capitalizing on what we want to do. Well, guess what? When you don't capitalize on what we need to do, excuse me, you end up being a train wreck because other teams are. See, here's the deal in sports. Now, remember this always. My son's over here. He needs to hear this. If you're not getting better, somebody else is. The other team is. So while the Yankees are headed south, fine, they're headed south. They've lost five in a row. They're in last place in their division. Well, I don't know. Other teams are winning games, not many. I mean, when you look at the division, the Yankees are lucky. The Yankees are 2-8 and eight last 10. Best team in the division is 6-4. and four. The Yankees have a 2% chance of making the playoffs. I mean, the other side of it is what happened last night in Wrigley. God, I wish we could show you. God, it was three to zip in the eighth inning. Nick Madrigal comes up. He's got one homer all year. Boom, Jack, three to one. Here comes the ninth. Cubs, White Sox. Here comes Chris Morrell. Chris Morrell's a new stud on the north side. Chris Morrell hits a three-run walk-off home run. And by the time Chris Morrell got the home plate, he didn't have a jersey. And by the time Chris Morrell got to the dugout after the celebration, not only did he not have a jersey, he didn't have an undershirt. He didn't have the shirt that you wear the dry fit. He was bare-chested because the Cubs ripped it all off of him. And it was so freaking good. It was so good, I can't even begin to tell you how good it was. It was that kind of good. Here's what made it better. I had forgotten. Yesterday, I went and played in a golf outing. In the middle, I was talking to a buddy of mine. We're playing golf. I'm like, you know, I think the Cubs are going to beat the Sox tonight. I'd put a $50 bet, or I'd put a bet to win 50. All right? I'd totally forgotten about it. This morning, when I checked my DraftKings account, Oh, wait, there's an extra 50 in there. Happy birthday to me. That's right. I love when that happens. I don't like when that happens. I love when that happens. You know Pedro Martinez going back to the Yankees because that's what we got to do. Let me finish with the Cubs here. The Cubs are two games back in the loss column. And Tucker Barnhart, who doesn't play as much as I'd hoped he would, but Tucker Barnhart told me before the year this team's going to surprise because it's got veterans that care. They're 62 and 58. I mean, hell, they're two games back in the loss column, one game ahead of the Reds. It's going to be fun down the stretch. Thank you, because you know what? I want appointment TV. But speaking of the Yankees, Pedro Martinez, the Yankees are my daddy. If I say it in Pedro Martinez's voice, am I racist for doing an imitation? Probably. Here's Pedro Martinez on the Yankees. Just unbelievable. It's, it's hard to watch the Yankees go that way. When I, I remember watching the Yankees early in the season and when they were going well, 
they looked like so confident. It was like watching uh, a bulldog beat up on a chihuahua when they were playing those teams. And now they look like the chihuahuas to, to any other team, especially a good team like the Atlanta Braves. I don't know who the tennis player was, but I liked it. A bulldog over a chihuahua. And now the Yankees are the chihuahua. I like Pedro Martinez. I do. Now, David Ortiz, yeah, I don't like the roids. Nah, I'm not into it. But Pedro Martinez, me likey. Hey, when's the last time you heard the Yankees called the Chihuahua? Do you even know what a Chihuahua is? Back in the day, there were these little hot, you're also called hot dog dogs or something like that. The Yankees are the Chihuahua. All right. Okay. I ain't mad at you. Okay. I can deal with it. A couple of things interesting to me, maybe not to you. Edwin Diaz is a closer for the Mets. Edwin Diaz's team stinks. It does. It stinks. The Mets stink. They got rid of all their guys. But I like this. I own a couple and part owner of a couple racehorses. And I like this. I like that his horse won as a 19-to-1 dog. As a 19-to-1 underdog, Edwin Diaz's horse came in, baby. That's right. I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of fun stuff. There's a lot of fun stuff in sports. There really is. A lot of fun stuff. Um, But there isn't much more fun than when your horse is coming around the turn and he's got a chance to win. When your horse, and it's it's happened to us a few times. It has. When your horse is coming around, here they come spinning around the turn, Phil George F. used to say, and your horse has a chance to win, and you're screaming. Yeah, horse won. Listen to this. The horse's name was Close the Game Sugar. Horse won $150,000 Mahoney Stakes as a 19-to-1 underdog Saturday. That's right. Now, does Diaz need the money? Oh, hell no. He makes $102 million a year. But you know what? He's boys with the jockeys, so they're fun, they're friends, and they won it at Saratoga, which is having the greatest meet maybe ever. Saratoga is a place to be. I don't understand why I'm not there. I should be there. Damn it. Hey, Big Ten fans, I ain't mad at you, but you're going to be mad at everybody when this starts happening. Remember, ESPN does no longer has Big Ten football. ESPN no longer has Big Ten basketball. Uh, NBC is getting ready to hire Robbie Hummel and Stephen Bardo as their basketball analysts, which makes NBC basically the Big Ten network. But even more importantly, the Big Ten football is going to be on Peacock. Peacock, for those of you that don't know, is a streaming service. Peacock, you got to go get. It is the streaming service of NBC, and that's where you're going to get a lot of NBC Big Ten games. Now, Sicko's committee, I disagree with this tweet. Nobody wants to see Iowa against Northwestern except for Iowa and Northwestern fans that go to Wrigley Field. I mean, if that's the game to put on Fox, then the weekend slate, that particular weekend, stinks. There aren't five people other than the athletes at Iowa that are betting on or against their own team. 
that want to see this game. Like, if that game is on, I will describe it as this, which I always describe the noon Big Ten game. It's the cure for insomnia, people. You've had a big night the night before, Saturday night. You get up. You eat some donuts. You got some coffee. You're watching game day or big noon kickoff. You're having a morning, and then it would happen. The Big Ten noon Iowa-Northwestern football game would come on with some woman announcer and some third-team all-Big Ten announcer, and about three minutes in, you would fall asleep. We are live with Pam Ward and Jake Butt coming at you from Memorial Stadium, Illinois, where the Fighting Illini take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Those games go to Peacock. I would argue that every Iowa game, every Indiana game, every Illinois game, Rutgers game, Nebraska, and Nebraska's got a good crowd, should all be on Peacock, never on Fox, gone. Don't put them on. Basketball, different story. I'll get to that when basketball season comes. But I got to tell you, I think you folks would agree. Hey, Big Ten games. Iowa Northwestern, you're lucky to be on Peacock. Uh, Corey Jenner, John. Jenner, John? Uh, look at this. P- oh, man, Ohio State. Now, those people get pissed. If there is a game Saturday night from the swamp or from LSU and it doesn't involve Ohio State, woo, Ohio State gets mad. You hate us, man. Man, you hate us. We don't hate you. But there's nobody interested other than Ohio State fans and watching Ohio State Northwestern. Even when Northwestern wasn't horse bleep. You got to put Purdue and their new diversity coach. You got to put them on Peacock. Put them on Peacock. Until for, it's almost like relegation. That's how I look at it. You're not allowed on Fox or you're not allowed on NBC or you're not allowed anywhere unless CBS, unless you're good enough. Indiana, Purdue, Michigan State, Rutgers, Nebraska, Iowa, Northwestern, dress on Peacock. I don't care who you're playing. Dress on Peacock until you play better, and then we might bring you over to Fox or FS1 or maybe, 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 maybe uh, NBC. That's the way I look at it. Tell me I'm wrong. You can't tell me I'm wrong because I'm right. You're going to sit there and tell me, hey, man, it's from Wrigley Field, man. It's really cool, man. Yeah, okay. It's still Iowa, Northwestern. Northwestern guys are still soaping up their packages and rubbing them on each other, these clowns. Oh, man. When I lose respect for something, I lose respect for it. I do. I'm sorry. I don't mean to, but I do. All right. Charlie Arnold's going to join us. I got a lot to get to with this woman. You got a lot of explaining to do, Charlie. No, Charlie's my friend. I got to get into her thoughts. I left ESPN. Charlie left ESPN. Will Kane left ESPN. Uh, Sage is now leaving ESPN. I also got to get, did you know this? AOC owes 50 grand in student loan debts, and she's leading the charge for canceling student loans. That's like a guy betting on his own team on DraftKings. Like and subscribe and go tell your friends right now and go tweet that we got a hell of a show coming up. Hey, Simon Adabata is going to join us. He's being screwed, not literally, because I don't know anybody would really want to do that, by press secretary, whatever her name is, Jean-Pierre. 
And my man, Simon, look him up. A-T-A-B-A-T-A, I think. He is the most interesting man currently in media. He's suing the Biden administration because they keep trying to censor him. I cannot wait to talk to Simon. Next, Charlie, let's go. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. It's, uh, it's not often that I serenade women that aren't my wife, but, uh, you know, I start singing the Charlie Says Good and Plenty song. So, you know, there you go. How about it? Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Charlie, uh, the left wingers, are some of what's used to be colleagues at ESPN are all up in arms because Sage Steele settled her lawsuit. And by the way, Sage Steele's got a lot of money. They're all upset, right? They didn't know what the First Amendment was. Bobby Barack straightened them all out. But why the angst? Why are women like Nancy Moore, uh, why are they even concerned about this? Why are they so after Sage Steele? Why, why is she so polarizing? Well, I don't, I wouldn't even call her polarizing. I think she is saying things that should be spoken by more women. Um, and the fact that they're not is, is really what, to me, speaks volumes. Uh, Sage is just speaking the truth. I mean, the things that she's talked about as far as the COVID mandates were concerned, all of those were true. What she says about protecting women's sports and keeping transgender athletes out of the women's division, also true. Um, and then just the other things that she has opinions on, you know, whether it be about Barack Obama or um, how she feels that women should dress at work if they want to be perceived a certain way. All of her feelings are valid, and that's because she's entitled to have her own opinion and she shouldn't be silenced uh, by a corporation that insists that she speak differently. You know, I mean, ESPN obviously has their own agenda that they're pushing, and just because Sage doesn't fall in line with that doesn't make her her right or wrong. Um, So I'm happy that everything has uh you know really transpired the way that it has i'm happy that sage didn't accept their settlement several months ago i'm happy she finally has gotten what she feels she deserves out of this whole mess and i'm really excited now for what her next chapter is going to present for her because sage is so smart i mean there's so many different aspects of sage that make her smart um she's been working in sports for so long so she has knowledge that so few people in this industry do not to mention being a woman at the time when women weren't even being given the fair and equal opportunities that they are now sage had to work her way up in a time when she was really battling so many of the i guess obstacles you know that women don't face anymore a lot of times women are just handed positions in this day and age because there is the whole um equal employment idea, right? A lot of times, like there's a guy that probably is a better candidate for the job, but they're going to give it to the woman or even, you know, taking it a step further, giving it to the woman who's part of a minority class because it just makes the company look good, right? They're trying to check boxes here. Um, So for Sage, I have so much respect for her, Um, not to mention she's a mother, which also adds another level of respect because to be able to handle all of her responsibilities while being a mother, uh, while speaking her truth, while going through a lawsuit uh, and being sidelined and, you know, 
it's just there's so many things she's gone through. I'm just so happy to finally see it all come to an end. And I'm just, I'm just waiting to see what's next. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's amazing because uh, she hasn't been on ESPN. It was always weird. And when I would text her, we would talk about how weird it is to be suing your boss yet. You're on the station. We knew this was going to be the inevitability, uh, but damn, ESPN didn't even try to hide the fact that they were being jackasses to her. They didn't even hide it between L. Duncan and her nonsense and uh, Nicole Briscoe and her stupidity. They didn't even hide it. It's shocking to me how open they were about, well, we're going to screw with Sage Steele. Yeah, and it was interesting because I actually didn't even know some of those additional details that you just mentioned until I was reading more of the stories this week after Sage announced she was leaving the company. Uh, I didn't realize that she was removed from, I guess, what was considered like a, some type of minority spotlight uh, that they were having some time ago because her, quote, blackness was in question. Um, yeah. That actually made me pretty upset, especially to hear that it came from L. Duncan, because I know L. Duncan pretty well. And what I know about her has always been very positive. I know everyone has their different experiences with people, but that made me sad to hear that uh, she would speak about another female like that, um, especially a female who probably has suffered through some of the same, we'll call them injustices that I'm sure Elle herself has gone through. Um, so I didn't like that. Uh, but, you know, again, I'm just happy to see Sage come out uh, on the upside here. And I think that greener pastures are definitely in store for Sage. Um, I just hope that she can go to a place where she not only gets to put her full knowledge on display as it pertains to sports, uh, but also where her First Amendment rights are protected and celebrated. You know, I, I'm going to change the subject here, and I'm going to go to men participating against women. I said this Please. was coming, and I swear to God, it's coming. There's a dude named uh, April Hutchinson, Ann Hutchinson, Andy Hutchinson, hell, I don't know. So this, so April Hutchinson, I love this about her. She slammed the biological male, Ann Andrews, all right? So Ann Andrews breaks a powerlifting record. All right, fine. Ann Andrews is a dude. All right. But then he starts talking crap about women. So I don't know if you saw the video, but he breaks this record and then he starts making I fun, and Andrus does, of women. That's the crap. It, 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 I, I just, I knew that was coming. I knew the arrogance would be there. And I'm glad April Hutchinson said, screw you. But the bigger issue is men in women's sports, and then they're going to talk ish about it. It drives me nuts. Yeah. And I think it kind of just paints the picture is a lot of these trans athletes don't actually experience gender dysmorphia, all right? They're not there because they truly feel like, oh, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body and I'm just moving in this direction because it's what feels right. I mean, listen, I think the whole uh, social contagion is, is insane, but I think that there is also a subset of these trans athletes who are just straight up woman haters and they want to go into women's sports to disrupt the space and to put women down and deny them of the opportunities and the success that they have been working so hard to attain. And I think this power lifter is a great example of that because a, first of all, I can't even just imagine to be a judge in this competition and take this seriously uh, because 
<laughs> this this power lifter April won by the the lift that they completed was more than 200 kilograms more than the next best lifter 200 kilograms so I, I'm not so great at math but it's like two and a half times the amount right so 200 kilograms is what like 400 pounds or something like <laughs> insane it just makes absolutely no sense that this would be allowed in the competition i mean it should have just like you know once the judges see this they would have been like wait a second like this you know i know that this is technically allowed but this doesn't seem fair right wouldn't you think that that would be something that they would question or raise a concern about right. but they didn't and then for april to go afterwards and say oh these these female lifters with their like what are they tiny t-rex arms i don't get why they don't understand how to bench press it's like well, first of all, you're a man. So your anatomy is much different <laughs> than a woman's and how we're able to move our bodies versus how you're able to move your bodies. Uh, there you go. Thank you so much for proving that there's a difference between men and women and they are not the same thing. Thank you so much for just backing science. First off, because you're a man, dumbass, uh, and a big <laughs> fat man at that. So don't even try it with me. A big fat, um, ugly This man. seems like... Yes, let's just throw them all in there. I don't care. Hey, um, this seems like, hang on here for my analogy. This seems like the athlete that fixes their own game. AOC owes 50K in student loans, and she's championing the let's get rid of student loans, the forgiveness of student loans. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I'm not saying I, I probably would. But it feels like a dude throwing the game. You would forgive student loans? You see <laughs> What's that? Wait, you said you would forgive student loans? Or you would, or if you had student loans, you would push to have them forgiven? If I owed 50 grand, I'm oh. not saying that I wouldn't push to get them forgiven. I'm just saying. Okay. I know. I, 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 I would not push for student loans. You made the loan. You signed the paper. It's American. Pay off your yeah, damn you, bill. You're the one but who decided to study 50, gender studies. That's on you. I'm not financing right. that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it, it feels like insider trading. Let's put it that way. Does that make any sense? Oh, it, it does. And that's because that's what it is. Uh, she has the ability to help push this through and influence the administration to push it through and in and, and all the politicians and to, to make it actually happen when meanwhile, she's doing it for her own benefit. That's a conflict of interest. Uh, so yeah, I, but I but it's not surprising. I mean, AOC is the champion of conflict of interest. I mean, look at how she, you know, talks about climate agenda change and how we need to push all of these silly little measures, like making everyone swap out every single appliance in their home and spend all of this additional money and put all of these businesses who have already gone through so much during COVID times and make them spend the extra money so that they lower their carbon emission footprint, which really equals nothing when you consider that someone like, John Kerry is taking a private jet for an hour, you know, to get where he needs to go. And that's putting out more carbon emission than someone does over the span of, you know, who knows their, their entire year, if they were to use all of their electronics and appliances 24 seven. Uh, so it really makes no sense. And AOC also remember she was at the, um, the Met Gala, right. S wearing a dress that said tax the rich when meanwhile, that event was catered exclusively to the rich just to get like the cheapest of tickets to get in there is something like 30,000, 40, $50,000. It's, 
a, you're just a walking conflict of interest. You are a walking, um, what's that other word that I'm looking for? Um, hypocrite. Yes. You're a walking hypocrite. So it's yeah, just, there's no, AOC, she's just full of it. There are two reasons why I never, ever have cheated on my wife. Actually, never cheated on my girlfriend. One of which is because well, only, I only am Catholic reasons? guilt. Yeah, there's two. There's, there's, there's three, actually. Let me give you a third. One, I have Catholic guilt. Two, it seems like a lot of work. Okay? And three, the movie Fatal Attraction. I don't need that in my life, Charlie. I don't need it. Apparently, Jamar Chase got himself into a little of fatal attraction on a one-night stand, and now he's got to put out a restraining order. See? See? Sometimes Catholic guilt is good. I got Catholic guilt like it's my job, Charlie. I do. And it's too much work. Too much work. I got a wife. I got it a girlfriend. It does seem like a lot it's of work. too much work. I Honestly, the too much work part is what really speaks to me the most because, A, you have to still keep your wife happy, right? And that's a full-time job. Then you have to, if you're going to have a side piece, you got to keep them happy or else you risk them going and telling your wife. So now you have two full-time jobs, which is is near impossible. And then, you know, it's just you have to constantly be worried so you're not sleeping that well at night. How do you do two full-time jobs if you're not even sleeping, right? You're running on fumes trying to work two jobs. It's just, it doesn't make sense. And then I'm worried about rabbits being boiled in pots. I don't know. I, you know, who needs all that? But, you know, Jamar Chase and athletes, I always get, and I'm curious, I, I, just because I've paid attention to this, I always, I, Dick Vermeil came, the great coach, came into our locker room when I was at IU coaching. And he said something very simple. Don't complicate winning, okay? And we put it on our wall. Coach Knight, we put it on our wall. It's really good. And I've used that in my life. Like, don't complicate your life. You don't have to con But, like, Jamar Chase, you just complicate stuff. We, it's hard enough to be a great football player and be a great dad, as you're saying, and be a great father, and be a great human being, and then all of a sudden you got these complications. It's just stupid. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I feel for guys like Jamar Chase, though, because one of the perks of being an NFL player is you get all the girls, right? That's, that's like one of the things that when you grow up, you dream about. You're like, oh, I get all the girls. I have groupies, you know? So I... Uh, I don't, you know, want to say like, guys, you could just, you got to, you know, do your job and and not take, you know, relish in all of the other perks because that is one yeah. of the perks. But and, and there's nothing really you can do to avoid situations like this. You know, a girl presents herself like she's normal and she's just down for a good time for one night and suddenly she turns into Satan. I mean, how do you know, right? You don't. It's not. You could have, you know, you could choose who seems know. to be the most cleanest cut of girls who's super sweet on the surface, but then once she gets her little fangs in you, then she starts, you know, obsessing over you and the fact that you don't want to spend all her time with you and suddenly she's pregnant and then she won't take, you know, she won't even take a DNA test. So how do we even know this is Jamar Chase's child? Um, but then she exposes your number onto the internet so that you're harassed and stalked. Uh, and there really just seems to be no end to it. Um, so it, it's tough. You know, there, there's really no way of navigating this. And I wouldn't say that this is a, a warning to all men, you know, don't 
you know, get involved with women because, but on the other hand, you know, I guess maybe, uh, maybe some, some extra digging ahead of time. If, if there's time for that, you know, ahead of these, you know, random rendezvous that I'm sure take place like immediately after games or, you know, I don't even know where or when, but, um, yeah, the life of a, of a professional athlete seems very interesting. Yeah, I wanted to be a basketball player so that Gretchen Wellman <laughs> and Roxanne Renner would dance with me at the sock hop. I did. I did. I, See, I did. I just there you I go. kept nice practicing. Catholic boy Dan Dockage going to the sock hop. See, this is this is what yeah. we like. Yeah, I want. I, I was hoping Roxanne Renner would pay attention to me. You know, I, I, you know, if I scored twenty points, maybe she'd like me. You know what I mean? That's the only chance I had with this face. You know, it was it. That's all I had. Oh man, you're right though. You're right. Instead of that last shot, go to Google. Instead of that last tequila shot with the girl or with the guy, because guys are pigs. You know, we know this. Guys are simple and guys are pigs, and they could be pains in the ass just like a woman can. But hey, go to Google instead of ordering the last tequila. There you go. Yeah. Save you some yeah, problems. You, that's, go, that's, that's a good option. <laughs> go to the police blotter. Charlie, <laughs> when the hell is this show starting? Let's go. Okay, so I'm I'm not going to say officially, but there's a date. There's a date, and um, it will be sometime early, early September. So stay tuned. Right. Um, I, I, I don't know if All I'm right. at liberty to say the exact date yet because it hasn't been released, but it's coming up soon. Um within the next few weeks. So everybody stay tuned. Right. It's going to be good. It's going to be right before you. So, you know, I have to be good. Otherwise be awesome. I'm give you a crappy lead in. No, you're going to be awesome. And I can't wait. A lot of people talking about it. Thank you, Charlie. Have a great day. Thanks, Dan. See ya. There she is. Off she goes. As my friend, Mark Packer used to say, the great Charlie Arnold. Yeah. There's two things I do in a relationship. One of which I cannot tell you. And the second is, I'm a loyal dude. I'm like a puppy because I don't need phone calls at two in the morning saying, Hey, last night at the bar. No, 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 no. That's why, you know what? I put my head down and I go to bed at nine 30. Uh, now I'm not saying I always did, but Hey, uh, you know, you learn a lesson, right? You learn a lesson. What can I tell you? But man, this thing with Jamar chase, it's just nuts. And there's two movies that you should show your young adult child. One is Midnight Express on what happens when you bring drugs into Turkey or any foreign country. That should, or at least it did for me, uh, solve any issue I might have of transporting any type of drug. And I can tell you a story about that. Uh, I went and bought cookies in Portland, my wife and I, like THC cookies, it was legal. And I only tried like a half and I, it didn't do anything for me, but I had this little bag and I threw it away instead of putting it on my baggage and taking it on an airplane. I wasn't doing that. I'm not crazy. I won't go to jail. And then the other one is Fatal Attraction, Michael Douglas and Glenn Close. I mean, it'll look, if you're a dude in a relationship and you're thinking about being the guy, the hipster cat, what did uh, what Seinfeld call it, orgy guy? Don't be orgy guy. The lotions, the creams, the, the night lights, the strobe lights, the black lights. Don't be orgy guy. Watch those two movies and tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me that things you would do. I can't tell you the other thing that I'm damn good at. All right, Alec Baldwin could be charged again in the fatal shooting on the set of Rust. A new report claims he pulled the trigger. A new report is saying Alec Baldwin was the gunman. 
Like, I, I don't know. But I will tell you, if Alec Baldwin was the gunman, if he was the gunman, then he has got to live with being the gunman. Now, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Now, there's all kind of different things here. There's all kind of different stories. He was told the gun was safe. It wasn't his job. I get all of it. I get all of it. But the headline reads this. Charges against Alec Baldwin could be refiled as forensic report shows trigger on the gun used in rust shooting had to be pulled. Meaning it didn't just boom and it went. It had to be pulled. I don't know. It it showed that the gun did not malfunction. The fired evidence cartridge is of consequence of a normal hammer fall from a fully cocked position of the hammer. Yeah, I don't know what that means. The fired evidence. Yeah, I don't know. Baldwin has always maintained he pulled back the gun's hammer as far as he could without cocking the gun and released the hammer. He did not pull the trigger. They're saying now maybe he did. I liked Alec Baldwin in 30 Rock. In fact, Alec Baldwin's character in 30 Rock, I loved. Same thing with Kevin Spacey. I mean, Kevin Spacey got acquitted on all his charges. I loved him in uh, House of Cards, and you did too. Who didn't love him in House of Cards? You had to love him in House of Cards. Bring his ass back for House of Cards and bring him back for 30 Rock. Ah, What do I care? But if he pulled the trigger, you're going to have to face some kind of consequence for that bad boy. I mean, you know what I mean? Ah, you're going to have to, eh, eh. <laughs> The Guardian is mad because Oliver Anthony's song is not about left-wing politics. The Guardian is mad because it, quote, punches down. It punches down. The Internet is mad because a guy, Oliver Anthony, wrote a song defending the U.S. of A., and you can see it right there. Everybody on the left's mad. The left's mad, our most sensitive, our most caring. What the country could be, according to Greg Doyle. Yeah. All right. Right-wing pundits. Do Republican anthems have to be as terrible as Richmond, north of Richmond? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they do. Because all the left-wing stuff is just great. No, it's great. No, it's really good. You know what? The silent majority needs to stand up. The far left, the Indiana, the Indianapolis Stars, the USA Todays, the Greg Doyles, the Nancy Amores, the Dan Wolkins, and all of their ilk are evil. Straight-out evil. They're not doing anything. The media isn't, not those sports idiots, but their, their companies not even paying attention to the murders at the border, the violence at the border, the violence that's coming to your city from what's going on at the border. And they're all upset. They're all up in arms. They're all twisted because a guy, Oliver Anthony, wrote Richmond, north of Richmond. Oh, my God. The horror. The horror. Keep writing. Keep writing them. We'll keep following them and keep boycotting Anheuser-Busch and keep boycotting Target. I am. I don't care what you do. I'm, I know what I'm doing. Uh, there's a little Texas high school 
that decided we're going to build a $35 million football stadium, and I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Here, let's show a little video of this football stadium. I love this football stadium. I love big, massive stadiums in Texas. I love Texas football. Look at this thing. Look at this bad boy. This is a Texas high school football stadium. A 10,000 seat, $35 million stadium. How about that? How about that? Uh, Melissa is the name of the school. It's 40 miles northeast of Dallas, population of 20,000. Melissa High School, the population is 1,300. That's it. But the town is considered one of the fastest growing in the state, which means it's going to get big. It has grown since 2010 five times the size of what it was. So look. Here's what these guys are doing. For high school football, they've got loges, they've got suites, they've got sitting areas, they've got meeting rooms. They've got basically better than your mid-major football team. And I love it. I think it's great. I think it's freaking awesome. Like in Indiana, we brag about of the 20 biggest gymnasiums in the country for high school basketball. Indiana has like 19 of them. We brag about that. But I absolutely think this is awesome. I do. Massillon, I remember going to their football stadium, and it was big. I don't know if it's 10,000, but it seemed like it was. And it had suites and that kind of stuff, and it was cool. It was very cool. But this thing is just gorgeous beyond gorgeous. Now, if they can fill 10,000 on the third game of the year, first game, they're going to fill 10,000. Second game, probably. But the fourth and fifth home games, we'll see. But now, if you're the coach, you better do some winning because you got a 10,000-seat arena football stadium to fill. You do. You do. And you better fill that damn thing, and you better fill it up strong, and you better fill it up every day, or by God, we're going to get somebody in here that can't. I'll tell you right now, I didn't spend my millions to get a half-full place. You don't want to be all hat, no cattle. i got to talk out of this side of my mouth. I'm better. This side of my mouth, I'm good. I got control. I used to talk like this on the bench all the time. I sat on the end of the bench when I was a head coach, sat all the way at the end, and I would talk to you. Sit your ass down right here. What the hell are you doing? But that's what we got. We got a $35 million high school stadium. Hey, let me know when the Pat Hughes call of last night's Cub game is ready because that bad boy was cause for celebration. That bad boy got me 50 Uh, large, and that bad boy was as fun a walk-off homer as you'll ever see, but because for whatever the reason, we can't show you the damn walk-off homer, and I wish we could. But that bad boy. Uh, A homeowner has been arrested. Now, that's no big deal, right? Except the homeowner has been arrested for trying to evict dudes that came into his house and just sat. Yeah, that's right, squatters. So a homeowner, I don't know, he's like, hey, this is my crib. This is my crib. This is the world we live in. This is my crib. Wait, you're you're coming in here and you're doing what now? Well, you know, uh, I'm trying to get rid of squatters in my house. Listen to this. Uh, 
he was trying to get squatters out of his house. A man named Tim Arco. He pulled into the driveway of his house. He suddenly encountered a stranger waving a gun. I just jumped the fence and ran. I didn't know what else to do. I didn't walk in on a family eating dinner. I walked in on weapons, a hooker, bunch of dogs in the back, my fence broken down. After dialing 911, Arco was astonished to find himself being arrested. They told the police that I was a home invader. It was their home. And so I ended up being arrested and detained. Since then, he's been trying to get these clowns to get out of his house. Six months later, they're still living in his house. People have died, two of them, from overdoses during the time they've lived in his house. It's insanity. It's the world we live in. It ain't even your house no more. Jesus. World is nuts. Tell you what, though. Tell you what, there's a beacon of light. There is a beacon of hope. There is a beacon of light. And that light, ladies and gentlemen, joins us now. His name is Simon Adaba. Be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Uh, Simon Antiba has made the news all around. He has been fantastic. He's a great follow on Twitter. Chief Whitehouse correspondent at Today's News Africa in Washington. S-I-M-O-N-A-T-E-B-A is the follow, at Simon Antiba. Hey, Simon, today or yesterday, President Biden started yelling at us. He was screaming at us. Name me one thing. That we didn't <laughs> deliver on. One name me one thing we failed at. Well, you named about 10 of them, and it was awesome. Thank you for joining us. Disco- yes, Let's thank discuss you. Thank you for all the things me. that Biden has failed at. My pleasure. Biden's failed at a lot of things. Let's go through them. Yeah, <laughs> you can read them, you know, the border and, you know, different other things, including curing cancer. <laughs> The better question is, what has Biden succeeded at? Yes, I think that's, uh, you know, if you see that post, you realize that the way uh, more than a million people have seen it. And most people who commented, almost 6,000 people, many of them could not really name one key thing that President Biden has succeeded at. But they were quick to name uh, many of the things that he has failed at, including, you know, securing the border, uh, curing cancer, and different, different other things. You know, what's going on with you? You and the press secretary have had a contentious relationship. She, she ignores you. She, what, what, what's the problem? Let's start there. What precipitated the problem where she decided it's okay to ignore you? No, so in it actually started with the first press secretary for President Biden, Jen Psaki. You know, they used to introduce me as being their friend. Uh, when I go to their office, they would say, our friend Simon has come. Then in November 2021, uh, President Biden banned eight African nations because of the Omicron variant identified in South Africa. And six of those nations had zero cases of the Omicron variant. And this was at a time when the variant was in the UK, in Europe, in Asia, and those people were not banned. And so I called them out and I said that the uh, 
data that she was listing, she was reading in the White House were false, and I became uh, the enemy. And so when KJP came to office after Jen Psaki left, uh, the trend continued. And I think it's just for me uh, asking the tough questions, doing my job, asking relevant questions. Uh, she's not called on me in 10 months, including when President Biden received 50 African leaders in Washington, D.C. last December for the second U.S. African Leaders Summit. She's not called on me even when the first lady, you know, has been going to Africa. She's gone twice, uh, at least twice. Or even when the vice president goes to Africa. I think for everyone watching this show, it's about, you know, not belonging to the club, not playing by their own rules and just doing your job. The public has a right to know and I as a journalist has a duty to tell. And when I go to the White House, it's just for me to do my job, ask questions, the questions that the American people really care about. And that's why I'm in trouble. They took your press credential away and you sued them. What's the latest on that? Uh, yes, they actually they didn't take it away. They deactivated it along with 441 other journalists. For people watching now, this is what they need to understand. This is what the White House did. The White House told every single person who had a hard pass who is covering the White House, we are giving you three months. Within three months, you need to go to the Supreme Court or to Congress to get credential there. If they refuse to credential you there, you won't be able to renew your hard pass in the White House, and which is highly unconstitutional. It's almost like the Supreme Court asking the executive to credential a journalist before they can credential them. And they did that because they knew that the Supreme Court press gallery doesn't actually credential anyone. They have only 25 journalists who cover them full time and they don't grant hard passes to people who cover the White House. And they also didn't consult with the Congress because Congress takes a long time. The Congress press galleries take a long time before they can credential people, especially when you're applying for the first time. As a result of that, I've been unable to read. I was unable to renew my hard pass on uh, July 31st because, you know, I'm still waiting on the Senate press gallery. But the problem is, is it constitutional? Is it do you, why do I need to cover the Supreme Court to cover the White House? Why do I need to cover the Senate or even the House of Representatives before I could cover the White House? So we felt that that violated the First Amendment and we went to court and we're expecting to win. You know, one of the things, if the White House um, cares so much about diversity, inclusion, all this kind of stuff, what you just told me, it sounds like a scam. It sounds like a way to eliminate you, but wash their hands of it. Put it on somebody else that you can't get credentials. I mean, right? That's what it seems like to me. Yes, that's what it did. And the reason we decided to cover the White House full time when President Biden came to power it's because we uh, believe that the right guy has come into office. You know, the New York Times and the Washington Post and all the left-leaning publications kept painting President Trump as racist. And, you know, I bought it and I was like, oh, I'm not going to support these racists. I mean, I've read it in the papers. And so when Biden defeated him, we actually endorsed him, you know, during the campaign. And when he defeated Trump, we 
were really glad and they said, okay, we need to, you know, cover the White House full time because, you know, this guy want to strengthen ties between the U.S. and Africa. He's a good guy. He cares for the minorities, the black, the brown, the African, everyone. And that's why we ended up in the White House. But once in the White House, we realized that uh, everything was rigged. The press briefings are rigged. You needed to be in the first two rows or even send your questions, send your questions in advance. Failure to do that, you were not called on. In almost three years, I've attended only one press conference by President Biden. Uh, and I've not been called on by the press secretary in more than 10 months. Eventually, to get rid of me, what they did was to ask us to go to the Supreme Court to, to get credential before I can renew my heart pass. So it can appear as if they are trying to do the right thing, but actually they are trying to get rid of me. If you read the Washington Post and Bloomberg, you know, all of them are saying that. They are, they are now saying that I'm right to fight my case, but those are the people who wrote hit pieces of me. The political is the worst. They lied to their audience that they contacted me. They wrote nonsense. They even claimed that I opted not to renew my hard pass. You know, the guy sits right in front of me in the White House. He hates me because he's trying to make a name for himself, but he's unable. When he tweets, only two people see it. He has less than 100,000 people who follow him. I have half a million people who follow me. When I tweet, he reaches millions of people, and he's, you know, he, he feels like he's being belittled, and then he goes to the political, and then he writes all kinds of nonsense about me to defend me. I'm going to sue them. I will sue the Washington Post when I'm done with the White House, sue the Washington Post, sue the Daily Beast, and also so uh, political, as well as the Daily Mail that defamed me yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it just makes sense to defend you. Look, the feeling around is that the press secretary is, I, I, I don't know, combative, not, certainly not very forthcoming. You ever dealt with a press a secretary like this where you don't get any answers to any questions? Um, what's going on here? No, so she, you know, some people estimate that she's answered 13% of all the questions that have been asked. You know, she's been asked. So 13% does. She's failed to answer 87% of the question, which is failure. You know, if, you know, you have 13 over 100, you failed. And, you know, some of them say that if you fail, you have to repeat the class. So she has to be there until she can succeed. But it's been a... You know, the, com the White House communication office has really failed to do their job and to have someone who could communicate effectively. Just yesterday or two days ago, she tweeted as if she was President Biden and claiming that when she ran for president, she promised this. But to the best of my knowledge, she's... Karine Jean-Pierre has not run for any president, has not run for president, which is, which is you know, it shows you how, you know, the level of... Um, the failure in the Biden White House to communicate with the American people and the American allies. Well, let me ask you, you're in there and you're not afraid to ask tough questions. You're not afraid to get down to what people really want to know. How frustrating is it when you see all of what's going on, Hunter Biden, a laptop, all this crap, and your colleagues don't ask questions in the mainstream media? How frustrating is that? No, it is. And 
you know, even some of my colleagues who may want to ask questions, like, you know, folks in the New York Post and the uh, Daily Colors and the Washington Times, all the folks on the right, they don't really get to ask questions. One of the guys who was insisting on Hunter Biden was Stephen Nelson of the New York Post. He's rarely, he's rarely called on because the press secretary doesn't want to talk about cocaine in the White House, Hunter Biden laptop, or the link between the president and his son's uh, business dealings. Those are like, she will always refer people to the White House counsel or the Hunter Biden uh, legal team, and she doesn't want to address it. But she's quick to address those things when they have to do with uh, someone else, like, you know, RFK, uh, she will blast him when he has to do with him. But So it shows you the level of the double standard and how the White House is not ready to address issues that may that may paint them in bad light. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it, it's hypocrisy. It's two-tiered level of justice. And uh, you know what? The media is complicit in it. Not you, but your colleagues are. Because, look, any reasonable journalist would want to get to the bottom of a couple of things. Who leaked the Supreme Court information a year or so ago? Whose cocaine was it? And what's going on with Hunter Biden, right? Those are questions that I would think every journalist would want to get to the bottom of. Yes, exactly. But if you ask those questions repeatedly, if you ask them, she will sideline you. She won't call on you at the next press briefing. So by trying to sideline me and trying to kick me out of the briefing room, she's sending a message to other journalists. Do this and this what will happen to you. And many of them are afraid. You need to watch the press briefing. Sometimes say, Thank you, Karine Jean-Pierre. Thank you so much for calling on me. And so they, you know, because they see what is happening to me and they're afraid. Some of them have to send me text messages, but won't talk to me in the briefing room because they don't want to be associated with me because they may not call on them. There are cameras everywhere in the White House, including the briefing room. So they see who is talking with whom, who is close to who, and uh, the, the journalists there will distance themselves from me to, you know, to maintain that good relationship, to continue to remain in the cloud. This is another form of censorship by the Biden White House, period. Yes, that's the level of censorship. The First Amendment guarantees the freedom of the press and, you know, the right of the public to know the right the public has a right to know and the journalist has a duty to tell and so when you go to the white house your job is not to become friendly with the press secretary or the president or you know to or, or anyone in the white house but what happens to people when they get to washington dc they realize that if you're not friendly with the people in government you are going to suffer the consequences you won't be invited to you know, some, uh, you won't be having guests on your show, you, you'll be sidelined and they don't want that. And you, you know, you have to travel with the president on Air Force One. You need to be invited to parties in Washington, DC, belong to clubs. And if you do what I've done, you suffer. And they try to discredit you. I had the tabloid called Politico trying to describe me as a blogger. I have two degrees in journalism. I've spent all my life in journalism, written countless stories, arrested in Cameroon 
while doing an investigative stories on in the investigative story on Boko Haram and accused of being a spy for Boko Haram and kept in a cell for, for days and being attacked by pirates on the Gulf of Guinea with an AK-47 to my head. I've been building up in Nigeria for doing my job, for trying to write about a church. I've done, I don't need anything to prove to anyone. And I've done only journalism, trained countless people, including the US, countless American students at different universities. So for political to try to defame me and try to describe me as a blogger because they're trying to please the White House was really shameful. The, I think the best thing is just for me to sue them. And when they have to pay millions of dollars, they will realize that when you try to assassinate someone's character, it's not different from assassinating, assassinating them on the street. Uh, yeah, and I hope you do, and I hope you get that money. I hope you, I hope you make somebody have to be held accountable for all this nonsense. Last thing before I let you go, it feels like every day Joe Biden gets up there and lies to us. He talks about his policies. Yesterday, you did a great job of calling him out. Housing rates, mortgage rates just reported are through the roof, highest in 30-some years. There's all kind of things going on. How frustrating is it that a president and the president's operation press secretary at all can just simply look into a camera and lie to the American people and do it so effortlessly? It's really frustrating. And KJP, I could see it. she's exhausted. If you see her standing there on the podium every single day, saying that red is black and black is yellow. And if you keep doing that, you right. crash at a certain time. And she's frustrated. She's also frustrated, but she has to keep, you know, keep protecting the president and keep saying that, you know, the president really care. You know, it took him a long time to talk about the wildfire in Maui and where, you know, you have almost more than a hundred people who have died so far. And it took, um, backlash from people saying that, hey, you need to say something. You need to talk to the American people. Hawaii is not this part of the U.S., even though it's far from the mainland, it's still part of the U.S. And so it's been frustrating watching all those things and, and seeing them trying to quickly close the investigation on cocaine at the White House and not wanting to discuss any relationship between President Biden and his son's business dealings and several other things. Uh, it's been really frustrating watching all that from the White House briefing room. Simon, keep fighting the fight, man. Keep fighting. And thank you. I hope you'll come back because this has been wonderful. Thank you for coming on the show and keep doing your thing, man. We're supporting you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Look, it's ridiculous what's going on. And I think Simon for coming on our show. And I also thank him for speaking out so clearly and so precisely on the corruption, the censorship, the nonsense, the general nonsense that goes on uh, with our so-called journalists. Simon's a journalist. Simon takes journalism seriously. Simon takes his job seriously and others don't. And he shouldn't be punished for that. He should be praised for that. People that get into the club, people that are trying to appease Jen Psaki or trying to appease KJP or appease the Biden administration that call themselves journalists should be ousted. That's not the job of a journalist. The job of a journalist is to do what Simon is doing, which is ask questions. Ask questions about that's why he's there. Anybody could be a fan, get a credential and sit in a room. But it takes a journalist to ask tough questions. It takes a real journalist to have the balls to stand up when everybody around you, everybody around you is compromised. And I applaud Simon and I hope he'll come back 
with us. Look, it's like, um, what you know, if by Rudyard Kipling, if you can maintain when all around, if you can maintain your head when all around you are you losing theirs, then you are a man, my son. And Simon is sitting there and he is maintaining while all around are losing then. We've got the damn awards. That's right. And Simon should get a damn award. I'm sorry, YouTube is down. We're having problems. We're being censored a bit, but I'll discuss that with our bosses after the show. So welcome to us here on Twitter and on Facebook and Outkick.com. And you can go to DanDockich.com and check us out as well. Uh, the Don't At Me Hero of the Week is none only our friend Will Kane. You know Will Kane from Fox News. Will Kane has property in West Maui. Will Kane has helped to raise more than $1 million. That's right. Will Kane has helped to raise one over $1 million for Maui folks in the horrific Maui wildfire relief. How about that? These wildfires, as Simon just said, have killed over 800 people. We'll see how many more. And they have destroyed one of America's great cities, Lahaina. And we shall see what we shall see comes out of this. There's a lot of conspiracy theories that a lot of times end up becoming true that are out there. And the fact of the matter is, Will Kane immediately went to Maui, his people. He went out. He started raising money. He did broadcast. People responded because that's what good people do. People that watch Fox, people that watch this network, uh, OutKick, that's what they do. Uh, get ready to play the video of Joe Biden yelling at us. Will you, Dylan? Will you, Ryan? Because Joe Biden is the don't ask me dunce of the week. That's right. He is the dunce of the week. Not only is his White House trying to censor us, and we've seen that in different ways, but now the White House is asking us a question. Let's listen to Jolton Joe sniffing Joe. Let's listen to Joe Biden discuss and yell at the American people. Let's hear from the yeller, the whisperer, the sniffer, Joe Biden. Name me a single objective we've ever set out to accomplish that we've failed on. Name me one in all of our history, not one. I want to say one thing to your children. I know some really great ice cream places around here. <laughs> and daddy owes you. <laughs> so talk to me afterwards. Daddy owes you. Would you ever think of saying that to kids that aren't yours? Uh, you're yelling at us, Jolton Joe. Well, have you secured the border? You said this on the two-year anniversary of the failed lo- losing of 13 American lives, the failed extradition evacuation in Afghanistan. It was on that anniversary. Your first actual act as a president that you left billions of dollars in equipment behind that the Taliban is currently using. C- Taliban, by the way, celebrated yesterday in Afghanistan the two-year anniversary while this dementia-ridden crazy person decided he was going to yell at the American people. Have you secured the border, sir? Have you united the country? I would say you have been, as loyal as Obama, the great divider of the country. Have you restored trust in the rule of law? Seems like we have a two-tiered legal system. Have you avoided inflation? Hmm. How about crime in cities, sir? Have you reduced it? How about improving our schools? How about have you avoided our involvement in foreign wars? Wait a second. You've given $113 billion to Ukraine. Oh, by the way, Ukraine is involved in what? A foreign war. Interesting. 
Okay. The one that I like that you ran on, sir, was this. We're going to bring honor and dignity back to the White House. Yeah? You got twerking on Easter. You got naked transgender folks grabbing their boobs, shaking their naked ass all over the White House. Okay. Have you? Have you brought honor? Have you brought decency back to the White House? We've had cocaine in the White House. Cocaine in a White House area that very few people can go to. That's your White House, sir. You are the dunce of the week. What is more predictable? Nancy or Moore, Taylor Terwilliger, and the far left ragging on, say, Steele for leaving ESPN or labeling Anthony Oliver's hit a right-wing mess. I don't know. They're both pretty predictable. They're both very predictable. I mean, anything that the far left doesn't like. See, we could be a country of love. We could be a country of trust. We could be a country that gets along. But you know what? The left won't allow it. Anything non-left must be destroyed. And then, of course, like Greg Doyle and the star, they lie about it. Well, it's always the right. No, it's not always the right. We've seen the left get nasty. We've seen the left get really nasty. We've seen left-leaning, far left-leaning reporters like Greg Doyle just rip people that wouldn't get a vaccine that turned out to be dangerous. We've seen left-leaning reporters like Nancy Nancy Amore rip conservatives like Sage Steele because they're either jealous professionally, jealous personally, or Nancy Amore's case and Greg Doyle's case just flat out maybe racist. I don't know. What's more predictable? Both. Both. Bolder move. Johnny Manziel admitting he watched zero hours of film or James Harden publicly bashing Daryl Morey in China. Well, I got to tell you, the bolder move certainly is not James Harden. James Harden did a coward's move. James James Harden got in front of a very, 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 very welcoming group and ripped on a guy that he currently plays for. Easy to do when you're in front of friends. There they are. James Harden is the softest dude in the world. He's a coward. Johnny Manziel is just a fool. Johnny Manziel is just one of them white dudes that's trying to be something he's not. And maybe what he's not is a football player. See, here's the interesting thing about Johnny Manziel. Maybe Johnny Manziel is really just a frat party boy who plays football, not a football player who's a frat party boy. You ever think about that? That's the way it worked out. Johnny Manziel would rather be a party boy than he would a football player, which tells me he loves being a party boy more than he loves being a football player. And truthfully, who gives a rat's ass about Johnny Manziel? I don't. But it was a good documentary. Put me to bed, basically. I started at 9, got done at 10, 15. I went to sleep. But nobody's a bigger coward than James Harden. We see it in the way he plays. We see it in the way he acts. We see it in the way he talks. We see it in the way he walks. We see it in the way can't get out of strip joints or clubs. He's a coward. Tougher week, Brian Cashman or Trey Lance? Boy, I got to tell you, Brian Cashman is used to tough weeks, though. 
Brian Cashman, if you're going to be the general manager, the starting pitcher, the shortstop, the manager, whatever, of the Yankees, then guess what? You're used to tough weeks. This guy here, Trey Lance, has had lips to backside basically since he got good at North Dakota Southern State or whatever the hell it was. Once he got good there, which is a good football school, he ended up getting his ass kicked by everyone and their mother. He goes and becomes a draft choice, gets his ass kissed by everyone and their mother. Gets beat out early by Garoppolo. Everyone says he did a great job. It's just going to wait his time. Then he gets hurt. Now he's had a tough week. Now he's had a tough go. Brian Cashman, from the time he was announced as the Yankees GM, it's been tough because that's what it is. You know, once the football season starts and San Francisco starts winning, and Brock Purdy is at the helm. No one's going to give a rat's about this guy, Trey Lance, unless, of course, he's trade bait, which he probably will be. But never, never, never do they forget who the general manager is of the New York Yankees. That's tough every single week. I mean, every single freaking week. Hey, are the Brewers moving to Nashville? Wow. Woo! And we got an assistant coach that got hurt in a fight. I got a lot to get to. Stay right here. Where the hell are you going? Where are you going? I'm looking. There's nowhere for you to go. Stay right here. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Elon Musk says that Zuckerberg completely ducked the fight at the Coliseum. Zuck declined is what Elon Musk is saying. Elon Musk is not holding back. Of course, this back and forth only adds one thing, and that, of course, is the drama of it. We want Ali Frazier part 10. We want to go back and forth. We want to get it done. Hey, Elon Musk wants that smoke. Elon Musk wants to say, hey, Let's throw hands. I'm ready. You don't want to do it. You're chicken blank. I'm not. And of course, the other guy is saying, well, I tried to fight him here. I tried to fight him there. I tried to fight him everywhere, everywhere. And it ain't just happening. I don't know. I joked on X about fighting Zuck. Zuck said, send me a location. Italy graciously offered the Coliseum. Zuck declined. I suggested his home is a safe place. Tragically, he was <clears throat> traveling. Is there anywhere he will fight? Uh, God, I love this. The hype has started. I don't think the fight, uh, I think the fight is going to happen. I think the fight is absolutely going to happen. I think that we're going to see Musk and Zuck in the Coliseum sometime this year. Well, this this calendar year, not by the 31st of December. I'm saying let's take the greatest day ever, August 17th, today, my birthday, and let's go a calendar year. 
I'm going to tell you, this fight will happen in this calendar year. I love it. I want more of it. I think it has to happen now. The more we talk, the more the hype, the more money, the more people, the more they can sell this whole deal. You don't just show up with these two guys, these two nerds, throw hands without the hype. This is the hype. Who's a chicken? Who's a coward? Who's a tough guy? Who's not afraid? The whole deal is all hype all the time. And what has two thumbs and is here for it? This guy. Every day, this guy is here for it. I am here for it. I want it. Boom. Let's go. And we're going to have it. Period. Carly Lloyd, I love you. Let's get Carly Lloyd on. I'm a Carly. Did I think she was right in her criticism? No, I didn't. But I get this. I think maybe I was the only one brave enough to say it how it is. I've always been someone that is blunt. That's honest. That maybe comes across to the media as being selfish, arrogant. All the words that I've heard about me. And it's pretty wild to hear because it's really not true. I just saw this team go in a direction where the values that were built and instilled in this team are not what was displayed at the World Cup. Good for her. I faced the same thing as an analyst at ESPN. Oh, you're arrogant. Oh, you know, I'm not. I just tell you the truth. I was brought up to not be afraid of the truth. I was brought up to tell you the truth. I was brought up to say what I see. Tone matters, Dan. Tone matters, Carly. Tone this. Good for Carly Lloyd. Don't back down from any idiots, including me. If you felt that, if you saw that, you say that. That's why you're there. You know, you can always get a Bardo or a Hummel or somebody that's not going to say nothing. Or you can go get a Carly Lloyd. You can go get a Carly Lloyd that's going to spew facts. You're going to get a Carly Lloyd that's unafraid. You can get a Carly Lloyd that's going to tell you how it is. That's why I always thought you were there. I always thought you were at the desk to tell things from the inside, from your own experiences. That's what Carly Lloyd did. She had an experience. She had an experience with the U.S. women's national team that you didn't have, that I didn't have, that none of us had. And guess what? Carly Lloyd spoke on that experience, and she spoke bluntly. Did I think she was right? No, I didn't. I didn't think it was bad. And you know I'm old school, but I didn't think it was bad that the U.S. national team was celebrating, making it to the round of 16. But she saw something different based on her experience. Good for her. Salute, Carly Lloyd. Are you kidding me? Hey, there's an open category for transgender swimmers set to debut at the World Cup in Germany. Bingo! A common sense solution. Hey, you want to switch your gender? We got you. You want to be a dude swimming as a chick? We got you. You want to be a chick swimming as a dude? We got you. It's open to all transgender. Have at it, baby. Go get it. Go get it and go get it strong. I don't blame you. An open category is something that frankly just makes sense. You want transgender folks? Give him a locker. You want to be a dude? Right there. It says uh, transgender locker room. Women. Men. Transgender. That's the way it is. That's the way it should be. That's the way it's going. And man, oh man, if you're watching this streaming, that's a good looking man doing some pointing. But I may need chin implants to bust the chin out a little bit.
I don't want to hear one word about it. I don't want to hear one word from anybody criticizing the Live Tour unless they are ready to criticize the NBA. Now, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you're not willing to criticize the NBA, I don't want to hear about it from anybody. Because, frankly, the Live Tour is funded by the Saudis, a horrible regime. Well, guess what? The NBA funded by China, a horrible regime. So I don't know what to tell you. The only thing I can tell you is, I don't know. A feminist says, a professor says trans kids identifying as minotaurs are part of the gender revolution. I'm not going to lie. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. A gender revolution. That's what you're telling me we got. We got a gender revolution. Back to Live Golf. The Live Golf Tour is trying to add some spice. They're trying to add some competition to the end of the year. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I have tried to watch the Live Tour. I have. I've tried to watch. I don't understand, not even a little bit, I don't understand the team competition. I don't. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't, uh, and I never will. You want to put team conversation, all right, team stuff in the live tour, then I'm cool about it, but I don't get it. And the latest is a senator is demanding information. This came out just an hour ago. A senator is demanding that the governor of Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund, which is the founder, the foundation of Live Golf, comply with a congressional request for testimony and information. This is this guy, Richard Blumenthal. He is the chairman of the Senate's Permanent Subcommittee on Investigation. He's released a letter to PIF Governor Yasir al-Ramanyayan disputing the contention that al-Ramanyayan is an inappropriate witness in the ongoing Live PGA Tour. These guys, they want to talk to the folks running Live. They want to talk to the folks with the money behind Live. He has demanded that El Ramon provide no later than tomorrow records regarding the investment funds, current and planned commercial activity in the United States, and an agreement to appear before the subcommittee on April 13th, El Ramanian has declined to appear because he has scheduling conflicts. Is, can we just do that? Can we just say, hey, uh, Senator, I love you a long time. Love you. I think you're great. I think you do great work. But I don't really think I can make it in front of your committee uh, well, because I'm traveling. You're what? Yeah, no, I, I'm traveling. You're doing what now? No, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm traveling. Can't make it. Imagine if you or I did that. Money talks, BS walks, and the live tour, ladies and gentlemen, moves on. Hey, guys, I don't have any program in my program thing here. Can somebody put program on so I can get in sync? Uh, with you guys. Somehow it froze and now I ain't got no programming.
and I want some programming so I can know what I'm talking about. The cash man chimes in. He said, Liv would be more watchable to me without the team play. It's not needed. I don't get the appeal of team playing golf unless it's country versus country once or twice a year. Yeah, I get the team play in the Ryder Cup. I think we all do. I think we all understand. Like, I don't really watch the President's Cup and then the Solheim Cup for the women. I don't really watch. But I do watch the Ryder Cup. I do. I don't. It's not like appointment for me, but I will watch it. And I went to it once, and it was really fun, but it wasn't really fun because of anything other than watching Tiger and Phil walk on separate sides of the fairway and the crowds. The crowds at Oakland Hills in Detroit were great. You had international people. I guess I didn't realize how many international people were going to be there. But I'm with you. On a weekly basis, watching team golf, On Sunday, maybe it's just because it's so different. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I just, I, I, it doesn't do anything for me. And the cash man is right. We'll watch the living hell out of it. We will. We'll watch the living hell out of, hey, look, is Rory going to win? Is Rom going to win? We'll watch that. But I'm not sure we need, I am not sure we need to understand what's going on with team golf on a weekly basis, period. So I don't know. You guys, you do you. A couple of other things, ladies and gentlemen, before we go. Uh, Wokadope. I'm going to watch it just like you are all going to watch it right now. I'm going to watch it on my thing because we've had a day today. We've had computers crash, but I want Wonka Dope. I'm going to turn this down so I don't hear me because I can't stand my voice. But let's go to Woke and let's go to a dope if you got it, fellas. What's first up? Uh Uh-oh. I know. I'm a bit behind you. I'm trying to catch you. I am. Companies that go woke aren't going broke. They're even more profitable than ever. Well, CNN Business is disputing that. Pride Backlash hurt Target sales. They fell for the first time in six years. But like con- uh, controversy cost a parent company about $395 million in lost U.S. sales. Sorry, Kid Rock. But Bud Bud Light's going to be just fine. You know, this is interesting. They've been saying this for a while. They've been saying that Bud Light's going to be just fine. I've heard this for a long time. Look, do I think Bud Light's going to be just fine? Part of me says yes, right? Part of me thinks to myself, well, it might be a great time to buy Anheuser-Busch stock. Now, look, I don't want to defend Anheuser-Busch. I don't want to promote Anheuser-Busch. I like what's going on here with this protest. I do. Now, there's a different way you can look at it. And if you want to come at me in that way, then I'm cool with that too. I got no problem. If you want to say, hey, Dockage, you've never been one that supports people losing their job. And that's true. A lot of people losing their job. And that's true. But I am for this boycott. I am for more money being lost by this company. I think you got to stand up to stupidity. I do. 
I'm sorry to the people that lost their jobs. I feel horrible. But I do think that, and let's show the next one, please. I do think, well, I do think there's a greater good here. I do. I think normal people have to stand up. I do. I do. Let's show the next one. Yeah, I do. Maybe I'm wrong, but I do. We'll see what the next one brings, but this first one here, this is how it started, and that is how it's going. (laughs) Migrants, do the jobs America won't do. America's dumbest mayor, Eric Adams, said. Eric Adams is an interesting dude. Like, he's a former chief of police in New York. You would think he would have more sense. These migrants are going to bankrupt our city. Like, let's be honest. Who didn't know this? Who did not know that, well, if you, if you allow an open border, which we are, if you allow people to literally walk across, if you allow the worst of the worst to come into our country in droves, three days, 17,000 every three days, fill up assembly hall every three days. And finally, the governor, Greg Abbott, who we love, and the Ted Cruz and the rest are like, hey, Chicago, New York, your sanctuary cities, man. You spoke openly about, well, migrants do the jobs Americans don't do. You spoke openly about nobody is illegal. You've spoken openly about all of these wonderful things. And we salute you for doing that. We know, of course, that it's all nonsense. We know, of course, that it's all pandering. We know, of course, that it's all garbage. But that's all right. We salute you. We salute you to the point that we're going to let you participate. And we're going to let you participate by sending a bunch of immigrants, a bunch of illegal immigrants, a bunch of migrants to hang out with you in your cities that are so supportive. Yay, Ra. You can show the next one. Yay, Ra. Go fight. Win. Yay, Ra. (laughs) Oh, while we wait for the next one. Tomorrow, Friday, is going to be a monster. Eric Adams. (laughs) Eric Adams is my favorite. Go ahead and show the next one, but Eric Adams is my absolute favorite. He's the best. Biden explained perfectly. Roll back. This is perfect. It was 360 date, but we're rolling it back. To 468. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's a rollback sale. This perfectly explains what Joe Biden and his teams do. Inflation up. Gas price up. Grocery bill up. Energy costs up. Look at the camera. Biden economics are working. Wait. Time out. Give me a 30. Now give me a full. Give me a full time out here. Everything's up, but it's a rollback sale. Everything's up, but our economic policies are working. Don't worry about what I'm telling you. I always use the analogy of the man that got caught in bed by his wife with another woman. He looks at the other woman. He looks at his wife and he says, nothing's going on here. 
Are you going to believe what your eyes see? Or are you going to believe what I'm telling you? That's the Biden economics in a nutshell. Bidenomics, I guess, is what it's called. That's it in a nutshell. Are you going to believe what your grocery bill, your electric bill, your gas bill, your heating bill, your mortgage rates tell you? Or are you going to believe what an angry, senile, dementia-ridden old man says, which is inflation is down, jobs are up, energy bills are better, even though you're paying an over $2,500 extra in energy costs this year. But hey, which are you going to believe? Well, I know for one what I'm going to believe, and it is not going to be Jersey Joe, Jolton Joe Biden. Uh, Last thing before we go, ladies and gentlemen, keep your eye on the Cubs now. That's right. Keep your eye on the Cubs. Christopher Morrell hit a walk-off three-run Johnson last night, bottom of the ninth walk-off, to beat the White Sox. Heated rivalry. The guy, Luis Robert, hits a home run the other day and waves it every, acts like a complete idiot because, well, Luis Robert is an idiot. He's a White Sox slugger, but he's got cute earrings and he's got cute necklaces and he seems to, you know, whatever. Anyway, but last night, that home run is one of those things that changes the season. Sure, it keeps you a game closer. Sure, it keeps you, you beat a bad team. I get all of it. But when you do it in that fashion and you do it with the celebration that I saw, the camaraderie that I saw, those things can spur you. And by the way, Milwaukee is talking about relocating. Milwaukee is ahead of the Cubs, and they're talking about, hey, give me a new park or we're leaving. Players hear that crap. Players hear that. They don't like hearing that in the middle of a pennant race. Everybody in the building has to be moving in the same direction. Brad Stevens on why Butler went to two NCAA championship games. That doesn't seem in Milwaukee to be moving in the same direction. The Cubs, on the other hand, with that home run last night, seem to be moving in the same direction, which means I got appointment TV from now until the end of the season, and that's all I've ever wanted. My birthday, August 17th today, used to be a sad day. I hated going to school, hated it. And my birthday basically meant summer was over. My sister's was in March, late late May, excuse me, late May, which meant summer was starting. My brother's was in July, July 12th, which meant we're in the middle. And mine was August 17th, which meant we only had a week or two left. Sadness prevailed. But now I'm happy. I don't have to go to school anymore. I don't have to have Sister Anastasia yelling at me. I don't have to have her poking at me, hitting me on the hand with rulers. Uh Uh-uh. I got the Cubs in a pennant race. That's good news as we move into football season. Have a wonderful afternoon. What a great show we had. We'll get the YouTube thing straightened out. We're just being precautious. We're taking precautions. We got a little too excited, maybe. We're taking precautions. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Haley. We'll see you tomorrow.